بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا تھرٹیتھ آف مارچ ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ And I've reached verse 6 of Surah Maida before going to the verse to mention a few things about the end of verse 5. So at the end of verse 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالْإِيمَانِ فَقَدْ حَبِتَ عَمَلُهُ If anyone disbelieves, fruitless is his work, and in the hereafter he will be amongst the losers. So here, an important point is mentioned. So, Imam Qurtubi in his Tafsir, volume 6, page 48 of the English translation, he mentions, It is said that when Allah the Almighty revealed pure women of those given the book, so in the same verse, verse 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the pure women of the people of the book are lawful to you. When that was revealed, the women of the people of the book, they said, were it not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was pleased with our deen, he would not have allowed marriage with us. So what happened? The Jew, Jewish and Christian females, they were proud of this verse. They goes, Even the Muslims' holy book mentions that we, they can marry us. So this proves that Allah, the Almighty, is pleased with our religion. But then Allah Ta'ala revealed at the end, the word belief at the end, here means belief in what was revealed to Muhammad. So what did Allah the Almighty and Glory say at the end of the same verse? He goes, if you do not believe in the religion of Muhammad, you're a loser. Meaning that is something that I've allowed, but that doesn't mean I'm pleased with your religion. So this is why Allah <coughs> mentions that at the end. Also, in terms of apostasy. So, in the work Thick of Worship by Sheikh Hassan Ayyub, page 139, he mentions, He who was a Muslim and apostatized, according to the Hanafi, Maliki, and one of Imam Ahmad's opinions, Rahimahumullah, all his previous deeds are lost when he apostatizes. In contrast, Imam Shafi'i and Ibn Hazm, Rahimahumullah, they said that the deeds will not be lost <coughs> unless he dies on the state of unbelief. <clears throat> so stop in the court. So if a person, Allah protects, apostatizes from the deen, he loses his deeds. According to the Hanafis, Malikis and Hanbalis, in one opinion, meaning he's lost everything. He's lost his Hajj. He's lost everything. Imam Shafi'i and Ibn Hazm says, no, he hasn't. He only loses everything if he dies with unbelief. So why is there a difference of opinion? The Shaykh explains. 
Because in this verse, verse 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يَكْفُرْ بِالْإِيمَانِ فَقَدْ حَبِتَ عَمَلُهُ Whoever disbelieves, his deeds are lost. So this is the proof for the Hanafis, Malikis and Hanbalis. This verse. Imam Shafi, his proof is another verse in Surah Baqarah, Surah 2 verse 217, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يَرْتَدِدْ مِنْكُمْ أَنْ دِينِ فَيَمُدْ وَهُوَ كَافِرُ Whoever apostatizes and dies in unbelief, such are they whose works have fallen both in the world and the hereafter. So Imam Shafi'i, he says this is the verse. Therefore making these deeds vain is conditional upon death as well, not just apostasy. So how is that practical? If a person apostatizes and he re-embraces Islam, if he's a Hanafi, Maliki, and one of the views of the Hanbalis, he has to do Hajj again, even though he did it, because he lost it. Everything is lost. His marriage is also lost. <laughs> Why? Because everything has been lost with his apostasy. Imam Shafi, they say, if he re-embraces Islam, nothing's lost. <laughs> right? And the reason is because of the Quran. <laughs> so this passage is used by the Hanafis, Malikis and Hanbalis, Surah 5, verse 5. But the Shafis use the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah. So moving to verse 6. The beginning portion. O you who believe, when you rise for Salah, wash your faces and your hands to the elbows, rub your heads and wash your feet to the ankles. So here is the famous passage with regards to wudu. So there's a few things with regards to wudu which I'm going to mention. So there's a narration. So this hadith is recorded in Sayyid Muslim number 329, Nasai number 139, Abu Dawud number 54, Tirmidhi number 1, Ibn Imajah number 269, Darimi number 4877. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu he relates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said la tukbalu salatan bi ghayri tuhurin wa la sadaqatan min ghulun Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept salah without purification nor charity from embezzled goods so let's look at this if a person embezzles something and he gives it in sadaqah What's the point? You've done something haram, now you're giving sadaqah. So the Prophet explained, it's pointless. He used the same analogy for salat without wudu. In other words, it's an absolute condition for the salat to be accepted that you have to purify yourselves. A second report. In Abu Dawood number 523, Tirmidhi number 4, Ibn Imaj number 272, Ahmad in his Musnad, Number 14,135, Hassan, Darim, number 684. Jabir ibn Abdullah, he relates that our beloved messenger said, The key to paradise is salah. And the key to salah is wudu. So look how amazing. What was the Prophet really telling you about wudu? Without wudu, there is no jannat. 
wudu unlocks salat. Salat unlocks paradise. So the Prophet was highlighting the value of wudu. Meaning it's so immense even though we do it on a daily basis. This is the problem. We just take it for granted. We don't even think of it as a you know a really great deed. But it's the very key i.e. to paradise. And it's, of course it's the key i.e. to prayer itself. So now there's a report. So this hadith is in Abu Dawood number 101, Tirmidhi number 26, Ibn Imaj number 399, and Shaykh Al-Bani states Sahih in Sahih Al-Jami number 7444. Our beloved messenger, he said, there is no wudu for him who does not mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning. There is no wudu for him who does not mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning. So without going to any great length, Imam Ahmad said it's a condition because the Prophet said it. So if you don't say Bismillah at the beginning of your wudu, there's no wudu. Imam, the other Imams, Rahimahumullah, they state that this was something which the Prophet encouraged. So it's how you interpret this hadith from the Prophet. So what, so Imam Ahmad said this was a command. There is no wudu for him who does not mention Allah Ta'ala's name at the start. The other Imams, Rahimahumullah, they said the Prophet wasn't commanding it. He was encouraging it. So the tone would be something like this. There is no wudu for him who does not mention Allah Ta'ala's name at the start. So no, there's a difference. Whatever the case, you should always say the great name of Allah Ta'ala at the beginning. If you do wudu in the toilet, you need to do it outside. <laughs> and if you're in the toilet, then you say it within your heart. The problem is now we're doing wudu in toilets, which is a strange phenomenon. But, you know, with signs in it, astaghfirullah. Two things with regards to wudu. The sequence and the continuity. So the sequence, the order, is that obligatory? And you do it out of order. So first the hadith. Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah states Sahih in Sahih Sunan Abi Dawood number 1124 Imam Ahmad in his Musnad As-Sahihah number 261 Al-Miqdam he relates once some water was brought for Rasulullah to make wudu he washed his hands three times then his face three times then he washed his forearms three times. Then his mouth and nose three times. Then he wiped his head and ears outside and inside. And he washed his feet three times. So what do you notice in the Sayyid Hadith? Was the order kept? No. The order was not kept. What was out of order? The mouth and the nose. He washed that Sallallahu after his forearms. So now... This is the Sahih Hadith. So here, the Hanafis and Malikis, Rahimahumullah, they therefore state the sequence is Sunnah. If you do something out of order, it's valid. As long as you don't do it deliberately, there's no problem. If you do it deliberately, it's makru tahrimi, it's greatly disliked. And of course, this is a proof for them. The Shafis and Hanbalis, Rahimahumullah, they state the sequence is obligatory. 
This is in the Encyclopedia of, Is- of Islam, Islamic Law, page 27. So the Shafis and Hanbalis, they state there's other proofs. <laughs> and the sequence should always be kept. How do they respond to this? One way is maybe this was an early command, an early elaboration by the Prophet So that's the fiqh. So it's very important that you know your fiqh because sometimes you might leave a body part. So for instance, you're doing your wudu and you forgot to wash, let's say, the forearms. So if you forgot to wash the forearms, wash your fiqh. If you haven't got a fiqh, do what you want. But if you follow a fiqh, you know the answer. The answer now is the sequence is for the Hanafi sunnah. So no problem. I'll just wash my arms. The Shafis and Hanbalis have to start again. The sequence has gone. Right? So now, why is this important? Because wudu is the key to salat. If you haven't got a fiqh, you're not even in wudu. You haven't got the key to salat. So it's important to understand the ruling here. Then you've got the continuity. What does that mean? Can you have a break in between the movements? So first, there's a hadith. So this is recorded in Imam Malik's Mawatta Behaki Bukhari, volume 1, page 163. Abdullah ibn Umar, he once urinated in the marketplace. He then began to make wudu by washing his face and his hands and then wiping his head. Then, whilst he was entering the masjid, he was asked to lead the funeral prayer. He then wiped his leather socks and he led them in prayer. So there's a few things to be noted here. First, he didn't keep the sequence of the wudu. Noting again the proof there. Then, he wiped his feet after the gap. So this proves that the continuity is not obligatory. So what did the Imam say? Again, in the Encyclopedia of Islamic Law, page 27, the Hanafis and Shafis, Rahimahumullah, state, the continuity is not obligatory. So if you have a gap, as long as you wash the pot, sometime thereafter, it's fine. The Malikis and Hanbalis, Rahimahumullah, state, the continuity is obligatory. Meaning, you can't have a break. The Malikis add, if done out of forgetfulness, one is excused. So why have the Malikis and Hanbali stated this? Because there's other proofs which they, they have referred to. So note again, it's very important to know the fiqh here. The sequence and the continuity are aspects. So now the Quran doesn't go into details. Allah Ta'ala just mentions what parts to wash. Doesn't mention nothing about the sequence, doesn't mention anything about the continuity. But again, this is important to highlight here. So now the wudu itself. There's so many virtues which I'm going to touch upon briefly. So first of all, in a hadith in Nasai and it's uh, Ibn Imagine number 280 and it's Sahih. Our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Wudu performed properly is half of Iman. SubhanAllah. Wudu performed properly is half of Iman. Now think about that. Half of Iman. Meaning you should treat it as if it's half your faith. Some of the virtues. In Bazaar number 262, 
Al-Haytimi in Majma Az-Zawail 1-237 Hassan Targhib 1-103 Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman Radiyallahu He said Whoever performs wudu well Then all his past and future sins are forgiven Subhanallah Whoever performs wudu well Then all his past and future sins are forgiven Look at the purification How has he taken out your future sins? The hadith mentions it in a hadith in Tirmidhi, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, Whoever does wudu well, it greatly washes sins, it elevates your ranks. Mm. So directly from the Prophet authentic hadith, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it has a great purifying element. Not only that, it raises your ranks if you do it well. In Darimi Abu Ya'la Targheeb Majma Az-Zawaid 1-239 Our beloved messenger said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Whoever performs wudu well Does not speak Says Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan rasulullah Then all the sins between the two wudus Are forgiven So During the day you usually do at least two wudus Condition You don't speak during your wudu You say the shahada and the two wudus act as a purifier for the sins in between. Subhanallah. Mm. Also, in Ibn Asakir, volume 3, our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to Anas, Ya Bunayya, O my son, perform wudu well. And the two guardian angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, will love you and your life will be increased. Subhanallah. Mm. So he told that if you do wudu well, the guardian angels have great love for you. Not only that, your life is increased. In another report, in Tabrani, in his, in all three collections, Sahid, Awsat and Kabir, Al-Haytami, in Majma Az-Zawaid, is Hassan. The Prophet he said, O Abu Huraira, when you perform wudu, say Bismillah. Then the angels who protect continue to write good deeds for you till you break your wudu. Subhanallah. So before you do your wudu, you say Bismillah, I've mentioned the fiqh, it's for the, for the humblies and sunnah for the rest. But the virtue is that if you say it, the angels will continue writing good deeds for you till you break your wudu. So what deeds are they writing? Imagine if you kept wudu for five hours, they've been writing for five hours your deeds because you said Bismillah. Or Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim before you did wudu. Also, Tahiyyat al-Wudu. In Nasai and graded Sahih in As-Sahihah number 6062, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whoever makes wudu well, then offers two rakats concentrating with his heart and face, then paradise is obligatory for him. Whoever makes wudu well, Offers a two rakats, concentrating with heart and face. Paradise is obligatory, obligatory for him. So this is the two rakat wudu. How long have you got to offer that? The scholars say as long as there's moisture from the wudu. So if you, let's say you've offered your wudu and, you, and you're at home, you sit for a while and you think, I should do two rakat wudu. If you still have moisture, then you can do it. Otherwise the time has elapsed. And if you do it perfectly, paradise is yours. Look at the reward given there. Also, in Behaki al Shu'ab al Iman number 2783, our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to Anas, 
Ya Bunayya, O my son, keep in wudu. If you die in wudu, you will die as a martyr. Subhanallah. O my son, keep in wudu. If you die in wudu, you are a martyr. So this is a good habit, always to be in wudu. Because if you die and the angel of death comes, you're martyred. Also, in Kanzul Omal number 44,154, our beloved messenger said, Maintain your tahara and your rizq will be abundant. Maintain your purification, your rizq will be abundant. Allah, Allah will bless you in dunya. If you just keep your wudu. In Behaki in the Shu'abbal Iman, number 2782, our beloved messenger said, that Allah the Almighty said to Musa, take yourself to task if you face a trouble when you are not in wudu. Take yourself to task if you face a trouble when you are not in wudu. So Allah the Almighty in glory told his beloved messenger Musa that if you're not in wudu when something happens, you've only got yourself to blame. Meaning it protects you. And also in Nasai Sahih, Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu once did a wudu from a container. Then he stood up and he drank the remaining water. He made a dua and he drank the remaining water. His son Hussein found this strange and Ali radiyallahu said to him, if you found this strange, then your father did this as well. Now what's beautiful about that? Was he talking about himself? <laughs> he was talking about the Prophet But he goes to Hussein, your father, meaning I'm your biological father, but your father, <laughs> he did this. And in one report, the Prophet said there's over 70 cures in the remaining water of wudu. The problem is we can't do this because we're doing it from the taps. If you do it from a container, you do your wudu, you stand, you make dua, there's shafa in that. And people die for zamzam and you can do it with Yorkshire water. Right? You know, just use the container. So note, these are just some of the virtues of wudu. Most people are oblivious to that. All they think is, I've got to do wudu because I'm muffling salat. I've got to do wudu because I'm reading Quran. They don't even realize the virtues of deeds. That's with regards to virtues. Before you sleep, there's virtues of wudu. In Ibn As-Sini, Kanzal Omal 19-73, the hadith mentions, whoever sleeps in wudu and dies, he dies a martyr. So if you do wudu and you die during your sleep, you're martyred. Right? And don't forget, maybe one third of your life you're sleeping, most of us. So isn't it a good investment just to die in wudu? Also in Kanzal Omal number 25,994, Fat'ul Qadid 6 293, the Prophet said, Whoever sleeps in wudu, then the reward of fasting for the day and worship for the night is recorded for him. So imagine you do wudu, you go to sleep, you got the reward of praying all night and fasting during the day. You've had a cracking sleep and you haven't even prayed tajjid and you haven't fasted because you've got the reward of that if you sleep in wudu. In Ibn Hibban, Fat al-Bari 11-109, As-Sahihah, number 2539, the Prophet he said, whoever sleeps in wudu, then the angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, share his bed. And whoever turns in a state of wudu in his bed, they make the dua, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive this servant. 
So angels are now sharing your bedding because you're in wudu. And they're making a dua for you when you turn. Ya Allah, forgive him. In Fatwa al-Badi, 11-110, Abu Muri'ah, he said, whoever sleeps in wudu and does zikr and falls asleep, his bed becomes a masjid. And he gets the reward of salat until he awakes. So there's a condition, another condition. You, you do wudu, you sleep, you do zikr. And when you sleep, your bed now becomes a masjid and the salat is recorded for you. In Behaki, in Shu'ab al-Iman 5-176, Abdullah ibn Umar said, whoever sleeps in wudu, then his soul prostrates before the arsh. Whoever sleeps in wudu, then his soul prostrates before the arsh, meaning shaitan hasn't got access to him <coughs> if he sleeps in wudu. Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani, he commented in Fat al-Bari 5-176, whoever sleeps in wudu, he will have true dreams. For shaitan cannot affect him. So if a person says, I don't have dreams and I, don't, I won't have true dreams, sleep in wudu, shaitan can't mess with you. Mm-hmm. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said, whoever sleeps in wudu, then his soul will be resurrected in purity. Subhanallah. Meaning you're successful. Whoever sleeps in wudu, the soul will be resurrected in purity. This is in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman 5-176 Fatt al-Bari 11-110. So let's put this in summary. I've given you the references. So these are the virtues of wudu. Your past and future sins are forgiven. Subhanallah. Your ranks are elevated. Subhanallah. You are protected from calamities. Subhanallah. Your rizq increases. Subhanallah. The angels, alayhi salatu wasalam's love for you increase. Subhanallah. Your lifespan is increased. Subhanallah. You are blessed with martyrdom. Subhanallah. And you are blessed with health if you drink the remaining water. So isn't that what the Prophet was referring to when he said wudu performed properly is half of iman? He's giving you the answer. We have to look at the fact to work out what the answer is. And if you perform wudu and you sleep, you retire to bed, there's seven virtues. You get the reward of fasting for the day, worshipping during the night. Subhanallah. You get the reward of your bed becoming a masjid if you sleep and you do dhikr and you fall asleep. Mm. You die as a martyr. Subhanallah. You are raised in purity. The angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, supplicate for you when you turn in your bed. Your soul prostrates before the arsh and you have access to true dreams because shaitan has no access. Subhanallah. So like I mentioned, these are some of the virtues of the glorious deed of wudu. And how fortunate we are that Allah Ta'ala has given us this great deed. It's not just like, you know, a non-Muslim say, oh, you're very particular about your hygiene. That's just the layer. You're talking about the layer there. Right? The reality is, it's half of our iman. And Allah the Almighty and Glorious mentions it here, i.e. in this opening passage of verse 6. So I'll recite the passage and we will conclude. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا إذا قمتم إلى الصلاة فاغسلوا وجوهكم وأيديكم إلى المرافق وامسحوا وامسحوا بلعوسكم وأرجلكم إلى القأبين 
We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He makes the Quran for the day of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered. Thank you.